Hey, where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Three squares? You can't spare three squares? No, I don't have a square to spare. I can't spare a square. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. And welcome back once again to Gag Reel, the very unnecessary and unasked for podcast about comedy movies and comedy television shows. I am your host, Ryan Scanlon, and I'm joined, as per usual, by my brother, William. What else is new? And my sister, Rebecca. Howdy, howdy. Yeah, today we are going to kick back and go back in uh in time to what is now probably a, is this a, a what would be a term for like a movie that's you know 20 years old or so is that is that retro at that point is that vintage yeah i don't know it would be yeah we're going, going so. back in time jack black and a bunch of kiddos to you know probably jack black's first huge uh, mega hit with him in the lead school of rock school oh rock the rent by the end of the week he's out of here you wake me up for that come on dewey finn would have sold his soul for rock and roll but nobody was buying you're an embarrassment you're out maybe it's time to give up those dreams don't you miss rocking out you're not a teacher ned you're the cross-dressing incubus from maggot death dewey i'm not a satanic sex god anymore i'm a sub and soon i'll be a certified teacher i know this is one like that we've all seen a lot, but I'm curious if there were any new thoughts on this viewing. I was blown. I was kind of surprised at the lack of just outright, just joke jokes. Yeah, it's mostly just Jack Black being goofy around kids. It's kind of uh, interesting in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a lot more like you know that wacky substitute teacher. That you know, a little more grounded than I figured it would be. I was also really kind of surprised at the uh, structure of the film. It's kind of a... It should probably be taught in uh, screenwriting classes on Hmm. beat for how how perfect it hits the beats structurally. Um, And almost to a fault if the movie wasn't as good as it was. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If any of this stuff wouldn't have yeah. worked as well, like, you know, his relationship with the kids and everything and like those uh, faults that they found, faults, quote unquote, that they found in the kids and they're all, all their personality quirks that kind of he helped them with. If any of that wouldn't have looked felt natural, then I feel like it would just be another kind of cheesy teacher comes and helps kids movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which uh, this definitely, I feel like, uh, I guess I'd never really thought about it because I've never really looked at this movie analytically, but watching it this time and yeah. just kind of thinking about where this falls in that trope, in the like Dead Poets Society, in the Sister Act 2s, in the... It's really Sister Act 1, but with kids instead of old people. What was the one that's oh, like um, Dangerous Minds, right? Yeah, I remember her being in the parody. Uh, well, they have a, li- a look-alike in the Amish Paradise. Uh, yeah, Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds. In the uh, you know the the Mighty Ducks of the world, the Dangerous Minds of the world. The there's a very much uh, there was, and this was huge in the '90s. But I'm assuming this was a thing before that. Like, oh yeah. You know, teacher comes and helps these kids find their true selves. Through uh through through some you know 
teaching them some hard lessons about life. This fits all of those beats. And uh, in listening through the commentary, Jack Black did uh, point out that in the initial talks with Richard Linklater, he wanted this to be really broad and he wanted to be ridiculous in it. And that makes sense. And like looking at Mike White's career and the more kind of artsy stuff he had written. I mean, sure, Orange County, pretty broad comedy, but definitely more grounded than this like it seems like this was his kind of grab at hollywood he said in an interview that he really wanted to attempt to make a crowd pleaser and he said he thought he had it in him but he wanted to give it he wanted to give it a shot he thought he could do it and i guess based on the box office and the dvd and rental sales uh he pulled it off yeah, looking back on this, like I said, more analytically and, and seeing that, it's cool to like just kind of sit back and look at how everything did glue together and just all the small decisions that I feel like does make all the comedy really work. Because in a lot of scenes, I feel like you're kind of just looking at the kids' reactions and uh, it's almost them making the punchlines to Jack Black just being ridiculous. It's kind of reverse straight man, crazy man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like he he does the the setup with his wildness and then they hit the punchline just kind of being straight yeah and being kids which well, uh, unless is you're a fancy really pants, fun and then dynamic. you're just fighting back at Jack Black the whole damn time <laughs> yelling that he hates him Billy we've already told me off let's move on you're tacky and I hate you okay you see me after class and then uh this was um something that was pointed yeah. out to me. Uh, by Richard Linklater himself in the uh, in the commentary was that uh, this was a little off character, um, off type for Joan Cusack of her playing this very uptight kind of uh, strict disciplinarian. And uh, I, I think she adds a lot w- between all of this. And uh, every, like every character in yeah. it is well-rounded. And that's kind of just Mike White being a great writer and finding... Great dialogue for these uh, these amazing actors yeah. that fits their voices. I was about to kind of make the same point. It's very all characters, even if it's just like a short time on screen, you end up knowing a lot about that yeah. character just really quickly. Even if it's just a very simplistic kind of character development, it's just very good. Yeah, and- not not all of them get the full arc of like, you know, the Zacks and the um, turkey subs of the world. <laughs> but like even like just the, the kid Gordon, who's just doing the light show, probably gets two lines of dialogue. You still feel excitement for him when he pulls it off. And like, um, yeah, just all, all the side kids, too. They do a good job of showcasing their excitement and having them be involved. They made a smart move in it being a cast of maybe like 10 kids that are getting the spotlight. But yeah, they all do get a little spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really surprised this time around um, at how much depth they put into the principal. I didn't remember yeah. any of those like moments that, you know, like at first, she seems like, okay, yeah, she's just an uptight principal, but they actually have sit-downs where, you know, kind of breaks down why she's so uptight and, you know, to mm-hmm. actually show the dynamics mm-hmm. of her with the parents really kind of flesh it all out. And it's just like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, she's got a lot to deal with. Yeah, one yeah. of her more important scenes, uh, as some fun factoids about that I'll mention in our more spoiler discussion in part two. Come yeah. Back. So, it was the early 2000s, and Mike White 
was a writer who had a bit of success. He had written some episodes for Dawson's Creek and Freaks and Geeks, as well as having four movies under his belt at this point. He had Dead Man on Campus, Chuck and Buck, Orange County, and The Good Girl. Uh, none of these were like really big hits, but they were all, you know, they, they, they got his name out. And during this time, he had this neighbor in his apartment complex by the name of Jack Black, who during this time was starting to get a name for himself. Jack Black had been in some smaller acting roles for years, as well as comedy stuff. But by the early 2000s, he had kind of started to get into some bigger roles. In 2000, he played Barry in High Fidelity, and that was followed quickly by Shallow Hal and Orange County. Both the roles, but the roles he was being offered at the time were just absolutely not what he wanted to do. Quote Mike White, they were invariably these flat comedies or he was like the John Belushi guy who gets drunk and falls through a sliding glass door or something. Mike would read these scripts and think he could do better than this. Uh, White knew music was a passion of Jack Black with uh, Tenacious D and all that. And he had this vague idea in his head of him leading a band of little kids. It seemed like a really funny little visual to him. Eventually, more bits came to him and it evolved from just him with a band of kids to more of a W.C. Fields type situation where his character isn't really someone you'd want around kids. And so he developed a script. It got written and then he started shopping it around, which it quickly got picked up by Paramount with uh, producer Scott Rudin attached, who promptly sent the script to Richard Linklater, who immediately passed on it. Linklater was primarily an independent filmmaker at this point, mostly working out of Austin, Texas. He had some big hits, though, with Slacker, Days and Confused, Before Sunrise, Waking Life, and a few others. He just did not feel this project was right for him and didn't really even know how to make a movie like that. But producer Scott Rudin didn't accept his pass on it. Quote Linklater, I got a call that was like, Scott Rudin, the producer, isn't accepting your pass. And I'm like, what does that mean? He was sure I was the right guy to pull this off. It was a huge different thing for me to come aboard. I was a color on his palette. Someone had cast me as the right person to perhaps realize this thing that he thought had potential. He goes on, quote, I was always a little frustrated with a lot of studio comedies. I just think they're not working hard enough or they could be better. So I was like, okay, big mouth. This is your chance to actually make a studio comedy that maybe works at that level. So he accepted and they moved on to casting, which was a big deal and took a very long time. It took seven months. They, uh, they seeked out relative unknowns and the auditions were more about finding kids with musical talent than acting ability. The kids would come in and play a song rather than read lines. So once everything came together, uh, it all came together quite swimmingly. The movie came out, made $131 million internationally, along with $97 million in DVD sales and rentals, all on a $35 million budget. It quickly became a movie that people kept coming back to, an easy, enjoyable family movie that people rewatched again and again. Uh, eventually, Paramount had to continue capitalizing on the movie. Uh, in 2015, Andrew, Lo Andrew Lloyd Webber adapted it into a Broadway musical, and uh, they made a Nickelodeon TV show. I did not know that was an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. It won a bunch of awards, actually. I've seen huh. it. 
Something else to note that this movie did was, uh, and this is what Jack Black always mentions when he talks about, like, you know, what was his favorite projects he's ever worked on. He always mentions this, and more specifically because it started the uh, after-school program for kids, uh, the School of Rock program, kind of all over. I know it's all over Texas. I, I don't know if it's all over America. Yeah, he considers this to be his greatest role. It, it launched uh, and inspired like a ton of kids to uh, to pick up guitars and start yeah, their own it bands. It really did. Even the kids that um, had a rough time after the movie will uh, acknowledge mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, that was that that they were very happy to inspire a bunch of other That's people. That's really cool. People, yeah. I know that uh, a couple a couple of performers, specifically the girl who played Katie, Rivka Reyes. Um, had mm-hmm. a real yeah had a wreck. really hard time after the movie came out like lots of bullying and uh some harassment and stuff like that had a really hard time but was constantly having people having like really nice letters sent and uh people came up mm-hmm. to her when she was a kid and and said like yeah you're the reason I'm I'm a bass player now and stuff like Aww. that so That's yeah lots so of cool. uh lots of uh good came out of the film yeah. Fun factoid, that bass she was playing is pretty rare vintage Framus that's been modified. So, yeah, I, I've seen a, a lot of, like, forums and stuff of parents like, I want to get my ba- a bass just like, you know, Katie's in School of Rock. My kid loved that movie. <laughs> and people just being like, yeah, that's going to be difficult. Uh, you might want to get a different one. Just grab a squire or something. that was one something. of the ones that Dewey was unable to sell over the phone? I think... That's kind of BS. I think all of his guitars would have fetched him, at, you know, at least over, a little over a thousand. You know, he could have made the rent money from selling his gear if he wanted to. Maybe. But, you know, that's not as entertaining of a movie. And like, you know, he didn't obviously he didn't want to give up that dream is kind of a huge. Yeah, it sounded like I mean, so this may be better for the spoiler discussion. But when he's on the phone trying to sell the guitar, it, he's almost it almost seems like he's intentionally coming across as as hostile as possible to not get it sold. Yeah, like he just wants yeah, a, right. a number that they're never going to give him, basically, is what I assume. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, it's a 1968 Gibson SG, mint condition. No, that's all. Well, that's a mistake. No, Hendrix played this guitar. Hello? Yeah, hopping into our, our favorite unpermanently named section, recommend uh, recommendations, a.k.a. That's my favorite movie. Because uh, we still haven't found a better title, so I'm going to just keep throwing that Austin Powers bit onto here <laughs> until someone stops me, i.e. Will. Yeah. Um, Get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, personally... I'm going to steal the obvious one here, which which is Nacho Libre, the other Mike White, Jack Black collaboration of him and uh, a bunch of kids, you know? There's a bunch different dynamic with those kids. Of He's not really training them at all to do his bidding. He's uh, more of a caretaker for them already. But yeah, way more absurd movie than this. Does not have that Richard Linklater kind of grounded touch to it. Just very much a movie made by the uh, the Hesses, the Napoleon Dynamite team. It is 
just off the wall and bonkers and goes places that you would never expect. But uh, I feel like definitely has similar uh, similar emotional tones and Indeed. similar fun. It's good. Uh, I would recommend another. Y- you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about movies that are similar. Well, just in the teaching aspect. Yeah. I would recommend because it's, it's just a romp of a movie. Uh, Sister Act 2, because you get to see Whoopi mm-hmm. Goldberg rap. <laughs> How dare you? You're going to be lost because you, you didn't see the first. You will not be lost. <laughs> what happened to get yeah, her no, to be you, a... Not, you're not going to yeah, be I'm lost. Yeah, just kidding. Um, it, yeah, go for it. Because it's, a, like I said, it's a romp of a movie. She's teaching kids yep, how yep. to use their music as a great way to kind of get out your feelings instead of being hooligans yeah and she also has a similar kind of like you know i used to be you know in the down mm-hmm. in the streets she's kind of slummy uh just like uh you know jack black here but she's yeah. found her way unlike him but yeah she's got like a similar persona like unconventional person teaching the people music yeah it works i would recommend different movie different feel different vibe but bunch of people coming together to perform something i'm gonna go waiting for guffman it's kind of the opposite where what they come up with is kind of a mess Mm -hmm. but it's it's a different style of comedy but it's a a lot of fun and i'd recommend it Yeah, so I think that's it for this episode of the Gag Reel Podcast. As usual, you can reach out to us at gagreelpod at gmail.com or you can look us up on the social medias at gagreelpod or go to gagreelpod.com for more information or to just leave your own thoughts and opinions on the movies. And yeah, I'm looking forward to next week where we completely dig into School of Rock and talk about our favorite moments and the styles of comedy it has and kind of just dive deep into all the spoilers in uh, in full spoiler tradition. <laughs> Even better, we'll just play you the audio from the movie. Just an hour and a half of or just the Or we try to the quote audio. the movie. You could just see the movie without, without us. That's another option. Well, we'll we say a few things. We'll try to quote the mem- movie by memory. So if you played the movie oh, that'd be interesting, and, yeah. and listened to us while listening to the episode while watching it, you would hear mm-hmm. a few things. Not much, but a few yeah. things. All right. It's like it's like if you got Mystery Science Theater and you dunked like an entire five gallon jug of water over it, you just like water it down. <laughs> Nobody would want that. Take it easy. Gagadoodle folks. Have a good one. Stick it to the man. Keep it real. Gag real. It's over now.